Snapchat, Elon Musk, Gnome to Plume with us again right after we asked him to join. He joined. Can't make that up. We are living in the future. Wow. And look on screen if you're a TV viewer on X's, you're getting audio. It's G. Everett Griffin, the filmmaker, the best-selling author, the icon of fighting the new world order. And we got a lot of folks on X that want to ask him questions or make statements. And we'll be getting to all of you that are being patient. We Some stations join us in six minutes. We got a one-minute break coming up. But G. Edward, you're looking great. You're a hard man to get on. Last time we talked, I uh, Skyped into your great conference up in Iowa. Uh, but wow, where do you want to start today? Because I can ask a lot of questions. You know, I have no trouble talking. But, but give us a little prelude to what you wanted to talk about today. Well, I... Uh I can talk about just about anything, and I do better on things I don't know much about because uh, <laughs> I can sort of <laughs> I can bluff my way through. But uh, somebody has suggested, in fact, our, our mutual friend John Richardson Jr. suggested that we talk about cancer, which is one of my earlier interests in in this movement of the red pill movement, as I like to call it, uh, where things are not at all what we thought they were. So, uh, but I'm open to anything, but we could talk about cancer. Nobody's talking about that much anymore, except in relationship to how uh, cancer is on the rise following all of these vaccines. That's an interesting topic. Yes, sir. But, let, uh, let, let's speak to that, and then you'll be great, I know, with wild card quick comments or questions, okay? Oh, that's fine. I, I prefer that, actually. All right, well, we're going to do that with you in a moment. But um, separately, for people that don't know who you are, most people do, Spend a few minutes telling us about your illustrious career. Because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a... I'm, I'm telling you, you're a living icon. We're not kissing your ass. It's true. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're like the, 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 the... You're not just the oldest living OG original gangster in the fight. You were one of the most prolific ever, if not the most prolific, that inspired the entire modern liberty movement. So we're talking to Elvis here right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> a living icon. Well, that's better than being a dead icon, I guess. So, uh, well, I don't know. I guess uh, we mentioned, I mentioned the word cancer a little while ago. Um, people who know me because of my work relating to banking and money uh, because of the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, may not know that uh, uh, an earlier book has almost uh, been as popular, sold almost as many copies, it's on this topic of cancer research and therapy called World Without Cancer, the story of vitamin B17. And it was very popular back in the 60s. We, had, we sort of launched a movement uh, challenging the medical establishment's uh, theories and therapies for cancer. And uh, we've just, I discovered uh, because of some very fortunate combinations, I met with uh, a very a close friend of mine who was a doctor, by the way, and he is sort of instructed me on uh, the fact that he was using a, a non-orthodox treatment very successfully in the control of cancer. And they, the, the medical establishment was down in his back, his neck, telling him to stop doing it or they're going to take away his license. But he didn't stop doing it because he was saving lives, and they took away his license. That was John Richardson Sr., as I mentioned his son a moment ago. So uh, that's when I got into the topic because John asked me if I would help him write a, an, an article for a newspaper or a magazine so he could explain to the world that what he was doing was really based on science. It was very effective. And it was most 
most certainly more effective than anything orthodox treatments had to offer. So I stupidly said, sure, John, I'll, uh, I'll help you with that. I thought it would be about a 10-day assignment, and I'd have to learn a few facts. We could write the article and move on to something more interesting. Well, I had no idea, Alex, when I started listening to him and then doing some research of my own, I had no idea how much voltage was in that wire that I was about to grab hold of. And I discovered that uh, this is one of the big topics of our, of our millennium. The fact that uh, cancer is not anything at all like we have been told it is. Well, tell us it's what really, it really like, is straight ahead. We're going to join some stations, and we're going to take all these wild card comments for G. Edward Griffin. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a war against the globalist, and people can't identify who's a patron and who isn't. We want to identify as pro-human and anti-globalist. We want to let people know we're 1776 Part 2. That's why I designed this amazing 1776 red, white, and blue Gadsden flag shirt so you can support the info war and meet like-minded people everywhere when you wear it. When you wear these shirts, it creates an amazing amount of energy, and it's quite the adventure. So get your 1776 shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com and get your Team Humanity InfoWars limited edition shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is antithetical, the complete opposite of what the globalists are pushing. So get both the Team Humanity and the 1776 Gadsden Snake shirts limited edition at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Spread the word, meet like-minded people, and fund the 1776 revolution worldwide. Live from the InfoWars.com studios, it's Alex Jones. Well, he's the best-selling author of The Creature from Jekyll Island. And he made all these documentary films back in the 60s and the 70s and the Yuri Bezmanov interviews and just... He's as prolific as I've been in the last 30 years, but even more prolific because he's been around for 60 years doing it. G. Edward Griffin, redpillexpo.org, redpilluniversity.org. And he sent us some points. I'm begging him to come on. We decided to do a spaces today, so some of your comments are coming up here pretty soon. Recent explosion in turbo cancers, King Charles, Toby Keith in the news, 50-year anniversary of original publishing of World Without Cancer, uh, which is... Uh, directed it to Ernest Cribbs and Dr. John A. Richardson, uh, and so much more. We're going to show a trailer for Madeline uh, Meriden's documentary, Save Your Life. We're also going to talk about the next Red Pill Expo coming up in June, pre-launch of Operation World Without Cancer. And, uh, G. Ever, we really appreciate you being here. So let's let, let's just give us the condensed boil down. Everybody can find your deep dive on your website and your books on what's really going on with cancer. The more money we spend on cancer, the worse it gets, and boy, just as soon as those shots started, it went straight up to worldwide records. Now they're saying everybody's going to get it. G. Edward Griffin, what's really going on with cancer? Well, what's going on with cancer today is that the uh, the aggravation of highly toxic uh, uh, so-called vaccines, pseudo-vaccines, has caused a breakdown in the body's immune system, and so <clears throat> people are more uh, vulnerable to cancer than they ever were. Now, what is cancer? Your question earlier was right on target because that's where you have to start with this thing. 
most people think that cancer is caused by something. And uh, the idea that we're still looking for germs or viruses or something like that so that they can treat it with vaccines. That's why they're always looking for germs or viruses so they can sell us drugs or vaccines or something very expensive to kill these bugs. That's why the whole medical establishment is off track because they're looking for bugs that we can treat with medicines which are very profitable. Now, if you clear that away and say, well, what really is the cause of these diseases? You find out that most of the chronic, in fact, all of the chronic diseases, that means they're, they're in your body, they're not really going away, you can't cure them, you're stuck with them for your life, the chronic diseases all the time. None of those are caused by bugs or viruses or anything like that. They're caused by deficiencies of something. And cancer is in that category. Cancer is not caused by something. It's caused by the lack of something. It's like a scurvy. It's not caused by a, a scurvy bug. It's caused by the lack of what we call vitamin C. And all the way down, you've got pernicious anemia and a lot of, a lot of diseases, which in olden times, they, they thought that uh, they were caused by bugs. Scurvy is a good example. They thought, thought since the sailors got scurvy while they were at sea yeah, for long periods of time, which means they weren't eating green things, they weren't eating vegetables and things that contain vitamin C. Well, they thought that the sailors were contracting scurvy from bugs that were in the dark holds of damp ships. And so they were trying to always get rid of those dirty old bugs. Well, they, of course, it wasn't that at all. Well, so the same thing is true of cancer. Cancer is primarily a deficiency disease, and uh, there it could be caused by several deficiencies, but there's one in particular that's most active, and that's a deficiency in something that's called amygdalin. It's a chemical that's been known for hundreds, over 100 years. It's in the pharma, pharmacopoeia over 100 years ago. It's been used all this time for various medical conditions. It's a very non-toxic substance. It's found in 1,400 edible plants. But the problem is that most of those plants we do not eat because they are bitter to the taste. And so we prefer the sweet foods or the refined foods. And so we, isn't it interesting that we find out that in all the cultures of the world where they had the least amount of cancer, they're usually the most primitive cultures where people don't have access to sweet or refined foods and they eat stuff right off of the trees or up pulled out of the roots. And so in these, in these societies where cancer is very, very low or non-existent completely, you always find that the native diet is rich in this substance called amygdalin. And so you, you take these people like the, like the Hunza, the Hunza cuts from Hunza, Northwest Pakistan area. And uh, they never had cancer, but you get those people out of Hunza and, and take them into the other countries and they contract cancer like everybody else. As soon as they start eating the same diet as other people. I saw some studies out of Brazil where the people in the bush never got cancer, but as soon as they moved them out of the jungle to the city, suddenly it's just as bad as U.S. rates. That's exactly correct. They find that everywhere. And that's what much of my book was about, is the empirical evidence that this theory is correct. Uh, the, the Aboriginal Eskimos are the same way. Uh, these people uh, traditionally, you know, they live up in an arid area. There's snow there a lot of the time. And where in the earth are they getting all this, this green stuff that's got amygdala in it because they never had cancer. And all of a sudden, they're being employed by the U.S. military up at the dew line and in, uh, up at the, at the northern region so they can build radar systems to defend ourselves against, you know, incoming missiles across the, the polar caps. 
And the Eskimos are working for the military now, eating the same food that the soldiers are eating in the Quonset huts, and the Eskimos start coming down with cancer. It's just everywhere you look, you see that. So we know that it's directly related to diet. And it's direct, And when you research it further, you find out that the primary element in the diet that's responsible for that phenomenon is called amygdalin. Now, what is that? Well, it's a simple molecule. It's made up of four parts, if I can remember this correctly. It's been a long time since I've gone through the, the chemistry of it, but I think it's got one part of, uh, of sugar, um, glucose. It's, uh, got, uh, one it's got two parts, one part of, uh, of cyanide. Let's don't forget that because there's a big scare on that part. Oh, you're taking cyanide? You're crazy, man. Well, it's got cyanide in it. It's got benzaldehyde in it. And benzaldehyde by itself is... Uh, very toxic. So who in the heck would want to eat something with all these poisonous things and call it a cancer cure? And they use that propaganda actually to discourage people from even inquiring about it. Well, the fact of the matter is, yes, it does have cyanide in it in combination with other components, but that doesn't make it cyanide. It makes it cyanide something else. Like, for example, vitamin B12 is cyanocobalamin. It's got cyanide in it. And we'd all be dead if we didn't eat the cyanide. But it's the molecule. Is, the molecule's bound to something else. That's correct. Yes, and it's not. It's not really cyanide until it's a free, all isolated element, and that means it's a gas. Cyanide is a gas, and but it, when it's locked in a molecule, it's a vitamin, or it acts like a vitamin. So those are the things I had to learn, and uh, we find that it's it's, it's a natural. And by the way, this nature. is all in the mainline and literature now, but you wrote about this 40, 50 years ago, and my, my dad didn't know who you were until he read your book in the 90s, but he worked at MD Anderson Cancer Research Facility when he was in Plan 2 at UT as a research student. I remember being a little kid, him saying apricot seeds and that the seeds of cherries had cyanide, and I was asking him, why are you eating the seeds? And he said, well, it's bound molecularly as a safe form of cyanide, but it's, but it's anti-cancer. So my dad separately knew that from the people at MD Anderson. And that was, he was at MD Anderson 50 something, 55 years ago. So, so it shows they've known this stuff that you reverse engineered. They're just not letting the public know because David R. Jones, Dr. David R. Jones, my dad knew it. Yep, a lot of people knew it. And as a matter of fact, it's written in the literature, written in the scientific literature. It's written in the medical literature. So a lot of researchers in the medical field, orthodox medicine knew it, but it was not profitable to talk about it because you can't make any money selling apricot seeds, but you can make a lot of money selling a, a very toxic uh, chemotherapy or performing a very- Was my dad right about cherry seeds? He said the same thing about them. Oh, well, cherry seeds are loaded with this amygdalin. In fact, as I said, there's as he told me, he said, I was told by the top science, top cancer scientist in Houston that, that they all ate cherry seeds. And I guess that was the thing for yeah. them. Well, cherry seeds have it. They're very hard to break open, those little hardened seeds. You find it in apple seeds. If you chew an apple seed, you get a bitter taste in your mouth. That's what we're looking for. And people say, Papuyas, bitter. Who eats the seeds in an apple? Well, the Hunziguts do. And they eat the seeds from the the apricots too, and they're bitter to the taste, but that's what you're looking for. Well, that's just, that's what I learned when I wound up researching this thing. Cancer is not a disease that you get. It's something you get because of something you don't eat primarily. Now, there are other factors that aggravate that, of course, but that's uh, the main element. 
Once you understand that, you realize that the whole medical approach to cancer is wrong, wrong, and wrong, but it's profitable, profitable, and very profitable. And there you have, in a, in a summary, what the problem is in cancer. It's, it's a money-making machine and not a health machine. I'm going to have the crew, anybody can do this, type in FDA list of probable adverse reactions from mRNA COVID vaccine, heart attacks, blood clots, um, strokes, but they also mentioned cancer in there and a bunch of other stuff. So how did they know and put it out before they rolled the shots out? I know you like to go with just the facts, but put on your speculation cap here, the legendary G. Everett Griffin with us right now, and, and give us the 35,000-foot view. I mean, what are they really trying to do here? Well, what are they trying to do is a, a different question from how can you predict what the effect is going to be. Let's start with the more important question, and that is what are they trying to do? Well, I think they're trying to to convert the human race, literally, this is a extreme statement, but it's true. They're trying to convert the human race into a bunch of robots, a bunch of robotoids, so that they'll, they'll be like zombies. They'll be programmable in their attitudes, their thinking, uh, their physical actions, everything. They become like, if you want to make a, a comparison to the aliens from outer space, you know, all the stories about the flying saucers come down and the the creatures come down out of these things, and some of them are tall and very human-looking, and then they got the little grays, they call them. This is the, the literature. And they're all little tiny things, and they got funny-looking heads and big eyes. And they're not humans, but they act like very much like humans. But they're robots. They don't think for themselves. They've, they're smart. They can do tasks. They can do what they're told, but they never object. They obey, and they just don't have the capacity to rebel. And that's the ideal. I think what these these elitists are trying to create on earth is the is the realization of that vision of these little gray people they want to convert humans into into tall pink or brown or black uh, robots so that they will do what they're told but are incapable of dis disobeying or disagreeing i think that's what they're we're up to it it's mad power it's all it is total mad scientist out of control what I, I, I mean, I remember reading one of your books about this. It's in a documentary. I forget the names. What do people? Because you're the cutting edge of this still today. What do people need to research or, 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 or find to understand more of this? Well, in the medical field, I think cancer is a good place to begin because right now it's uh, it's you talk about a pandemic. Cancer is the world's greatest pandemic. Uh, when I wrote my book, World Without Cancer. I think it was published in 1974, if I remember correctly. Uh, the 50 ratio years of, ago. Yeah. Uh, the ratio of uh, healthy to cancer people, cancer-ridden uh, people, was four to one. In other words, you had one out of every four people was going to come down with cancer in their lifetime. Now, the statistics are one out of every two, and it's expected very soon to be one out of every one. So that's how far it's going. With all of the money they spent billions and billions of dollars looking for a cure for cancer, it's just gotten worse because they are not looking for a cure for cancer. What they're looking for is something that appears to be a cure for cancer, but which is very, very profitable to administer. And we come, I come back to that. I, I have to say it, even though it's unpopular and it sounds crazy to most people, but the modern Western medicine formula or the idea of treating diseases is not to cure them because if you cure a disease, you just lost your customer. 
The idea is to perpetuate the disease and keep the patient operational so he can continue to work, but he needs your product every Absolutely. day. Absolutely. And listen, the world's, the world's come so far with you 50 years ago exposing this that I don't think it's actually unpopular or shocking. I think people get that. My question was, how do people, what's the best work you've done on this? What? Where do people go to find out more of your research on this? Well, I guess uh, it sounds a little bit egotistical, but I would say start with my book, World Without Cancer, because it's not just the story of what we're talking about and the record of it and the names and dates and places, but the footnotes are very rich with sources, medical documents, uh, articles in the paper. And, and it's so evergreen. Forth. You wrote it 50 years ago, and it's, 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 it's totally true today. It's very true, totally true today, yes. In fact, even more true today than I thought it was when I wrote it. Where, where's the so, best place yeah. to get uh, your book, The World Free of Cancer? Oh, well, thanks for that plug. My staff is always saying, Ed, you never you never plug your books. Okay, uh, try, um, uh, I guess the best place is realityzone.com. You'll find World Without Cancer and the uh, little cyanide cookbook. We've got a cookbook we put out loaded with recipes rich in, in cyanide-bearing plants. And uh, you'll all find it in realityzone.com. All right, so we're going to put that up on screen for your lower third, realityzone.com. Love that site. All right, you are gracious to be on with us today. Uh, we are on uh, X Spaces right now. There's a lot of folks that want to just talk about the general crazy world and, 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 and want to get your take on it. And we really appreciate you. And towards the end, we'll also play that trailer that you sent us and talk a little bit more about uh, what's really happening with cancer. What a public service announcement. That's what we love, people that are tomorrow's news 50 years ago, uh, not just tomorrow's news today or, or tomorrow's news a year early, but uh, 50 years early. Uh, wow, like you've got a time machine. G. Edward Griffin with us right now. Uh, Chase Geyser, tell us who's up first here. So we have Jake Chansley as a speaker in the space, otherwise known as the Q Shaman. He sent a direct message saying that he read World Without Cancer while he was in prison. So we're going to go ahead and let him say what he's got to say. He's got a couple of questions about it. And go ahead, Jake, unmute yourself and say what you got to say. Well, it looks like Jake might have stepped away. So let's just move on to Jason Burma's. Jason, what is going on, man? Go ahead and unmute yourself if you're listening and say what you have to say. Jason Burma, you're oh, on the air. Go ahead. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, yeah, you, okay. muted, yeah, yeah, you muted me, dude. Sorry, I got you. got you unmuted. You're good. Okay, so Jake was uh, muted, but I'm on now. It's Burmis. Yep. Just to let everybody in. Okay, Alex, uh, first of all, Tierra Griffin, living legend. That's why he was a part of the uh, documentary film that you produced, Invisible Empire. You know, beyond just cancer, globalism, so much more. Uh, G. Edward Griffin is the man. I was actually at that Red Pill uh, conference out in Des Moines, still a workhorse, and more relevant uh, today than ever. The reason I was on the space is this Dittmer situation. You know, Alex, I, I listened to your debate with uh, David Icke on Friday, and I was in and out, and I was on the road, and when I tuned back in and quote-unquote Dittmer was on, obviously I was convinced that that was Elon Musk. You know, after I started doing some research, you know, he held like a six-hour space after that of what or who this is, I'm just blown away because to me there's only two possibilities. He, Dittmer is either like you said, an advanced AI or a surrogate for Musk that is kind of playing a part. And I think that also there's this interchangeable quality 
where he could also act like a dummy account for Musk himself. In other words, Musk has access to Dittmer, obviously, and it could be Yeah, Musk yeah, Jason, let me just tell you, moment. let me just tell you, it, it's, it's Elon Musk. I, I can tell you that for sure. Well, Alex, are you aware that they actually did a space together in July where they had like a 20 plus minute conversation? And and when yeah, I but he's able to do that because he goes back and forth and does it. It's all a big, a big, a big troll. Well, I, I would love to uh, have an opportunity to, to, to debate Mitt, uh, Dittmer on many subjects. Alex, you're killing it. Uh, the show is more interesting than ever. Keep it up. Well, thank you. Uh, now, now we had a technical problem. This is a new technology, but it's doing quite well. Um, G. Edward Griffin, give us your brief take on Elon Musk. Totally unscripted. Say whatever you want, obviously. And then we do have the Q Shaman, um, Jacob Chonsley, back on. We, we had him muted. We're sorry. But uh, go ahead, G. Edward, your take on Elon Musk. Oh, okay. Well, that's a tough one because um, I have to preface it by saying uh, I'm, I'm a very skeptical person. And uh, because I may have questions or I'm a little skeptical about some things, doesn't mean that I have any inside information and that I'm even on the right track. But uh, I've learned over the years that uh, anytime that there's a lot of money or a lot of power in an institution, it's, it, that institution is a magnet for the predator class. And that's why governments and large corporations and, uh, and even church organizations, wherever there's a concentration of money and power, you find that the leaders of those institutions tend to be corrupted. And some of them are very, very good at uh, imitating the real thing. And, uh, and I have fallen for most of that stuff over the years. But the older I get, the slower I get to accept the validity of all of these good intending people, especially if they are the chosen leaders of an institution that's very powerful and has a lot of money. So for that reason only, I'm very slow to accept Mr. Musk or anybody else for that matter, whether it's Mr. Musk or Mr. Trump or one of the candidates for office. They're all seeking a, a leadership position in an institution that has a great deal of money and power. I think that's very so well said, and I totally agree with that statement. We should you know, trust and verify, but expanding on that, or verify then trust, expanding on that, what do you think of the turn he's made? Because a lot of pro-globalist stuff, a major turn... And I think I see a big awakening happening personally. So I think a lot of people are going to kind of jump over to our side. But what do you make of some of the good things he's done? Or you think that's just bait? Well, it's, I don't think it's just bait. But I think it could be just bait. That's the whole point I'm trying to make. I'm not so willing to say, gee, I like what he said or what he did. Because I know how the opposition works. They have to do good things. They have to to be to appear to be genuine. They have to actually strike a few blows against their own side. Otherwise, no one would accept them. But um, well, the other well, there are two ways that people will accept a, a false leader. One is, as I just said, because they do some good things along the way, and people are so hungry for those tidbits of good, you know, good moves. We're all looking for victories. So that's one. And uh, and the other, of course, is that uh, it's. Uh, it's part of a strategy that um, uh, that they want to be leaders so that they, we, they our leaders, they know that we're going to oppose them. I mean, let's face it, the opposition, whatever you want to call it, has a great deal of smarts and a great deal of assets, a great ability. They'll make the, you, the military look like child's play in terms of creating 
scenarios. What do we do if that happens? They knew long ago that as they progressed toward their final deadline, their goals, that the opposition, us, would be very upset by it, and we would there would be a great pushback. So do they wait around and say, gee, I wonder what that pushback's going to be like and who's going to who's going to do it? No, they said, I tell you what, let us provide the pushback. Let us be the leader of our opposition. And to do that, we have to do all good things. Or the best way to control the opposition, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it. Yeah. So so naturally, if you if you see somebody who does a lot of good, good things and you like it, but you see them also doing several seriously bad things, you better slow down and uh, take another All right, look G. Edward, before you uh, jump. Stay there. To all the people complaining on X, we have breaks. We're on hundreds of radio stations. Remember the old media? We're still there. That's why they tried to censor us. We were able to stay on air when they shut me off the Internet. I was still on talk radio. Quick break coming right back with G. Edward Griffin and some big folks on X have some questions. Ladies and gentlemen, sold out for five months. The number one strongest turmeric in the world. Body's ultimate turmeric formula is back in stock. It's turmeric concentrate. It's 95% curcuminoid. We went to the top lab and said, what's the strongest you put out? They said like 87%. Most companies put out raw turmeric. It's 5%, 4%. This is 95% curcuminoid. Okay? So this is like, I guess the example is like, instead of eating, you have to eat like... You have 10 of those other pills just to get what is in one of these. And it's got some other key ingredients in it that the experts say helps upload the turmeric. It's anti-inflammatory. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Body's ultimate turmeric formula, InfoWarsStore.com. The all-time fan classic Bodies, 40% off, back in stock. And... Even made stronger, new and improved, and we got it with a bigger manufacturer, so we can discount it too. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have Nitric Boost. It cleans out the blood, the heart, goes out with spike proteins, everything. Dr. Mikovic has talked about this for 40% off as well. And this is selling out, but despite that, it's still 30% off. It's next level foundational energy, the methylfolate, the key compound of other ingredients that clean out your cells and that are the main energy source. Popeye takes spinach. That's why it's so strong. What's in that? Folic acid. This is the breakdown concentrate of folic acid after the cells break it down. So this just goes right in there like nitrous oxide in, in, in a race car, okay? So you go from 800 horsepower to 1500 horsepower when you turn on the nitrous. I can't even take this, okay? Okay, I turn into a psychotic goblin, okay? But I'm just telling you right now, you want next level foundational energy, get it, infowarstore.com. If by Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about don't deal in lies or being hated don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, 
or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools? If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but are none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Leading a frontal assault on the lies of the New World Order, it's Alex Jones. Infowars.com studios. You're listening to the Alex Jones Show. All right, we got a bunch of big X accounts. We have questions for the great TM or Griffin, living legend. He really is, even though he doesn't like that. But he wanted to say one more thing. During the break, he's like, "Listen, I'm I'm not here for division. I don't I don't you know know whether Elon's good or bad." And I said, he just repeated on air. But I, I said, "Well, it seems to me one way or another, everybody's starting to jump ship with the Liberty Movement. Bare minimum, that's happening." Even if they're having to act like they're with us, it shows how far we've gone. Can, can you repeat what you said? Uh, I mean, not word for word, but when we were talking during the break. Well, yeah, we were just talking earlier about how does a controlled op uh, operative work? And it's pretty clear. Uh, they even write manuals on it in the military and the CIA and, and other uh, intelligence agencies around the world. They all follow pretty much the same rules. And that is that the strongest, one of the strongest weapons that you can have is to control your own, your own, the, op, the opposition. Put up leaders that your opposition will be baited into accepting as a genuine leader when in fact they're not. Their role is to become the leader of the opposition so that they can look good and try hard and, and everything looks good. But at the very end, they pull their punches and they lose. And that was the whole, that's how it works. So I'm not saying that uh, anybody in particular is in that category. What I am saying is that now that I know what that strategy is, I'm very cautious about it. And I start to examine before I just accept something at face value, because I know how the rules of the game work. Now that that's you know all. that that's a card in the hand or a arrow in the quiver, you're, you're looking for it. That's right. I, I want to be sure that it's not pointed at me. That's all. And so I'm a little slower to jump on the bandwagon than most people. And, uh, I think it's wise because, you know, we're in a war and in war, the enemy is has no uh, no limitations on what strategies they use. There's, you know, in warfare, according to our enemy, there's only one immoral act in war, and that's to lose so that everything else is game. And once you understand that's the rule that they're playing by, you better be very cautious at what they're doing. I totally agree. Saying. Let me, let, I want to go back to these X spaces comments where people are holding and I'm, I'm being disrespectful a little bit, but you didn't know you were coming on for this. You've been very gracious to do this, but quick 
comment. I know Tucker's for real. Great guy. Known him for 10 years, 11 years. I must think Putin's a great guy, but he just said, look, your power structure, your presidents don't run anything. I don't even want to work with you. You don't want to work with us. I thought that was a pretty powerful interview. People thought it was a dud. I thought it was quite revealing. A, a few minutes on Tucker Carlson and uh, Putin in general, where do you think that's going? Well, where is it going? I don't know. But I, I, I saw, I watched the whole thing as you probably did too, word for word. It was very long and tedious. But I, I kind of felt that that uh, Putin had the upper hand all the way. He was a he was an accomplished uh, jujitsu master, whereas Tucker was like a, a new student compared to Putin, who was so smooth and and uh, very calm and, and everything. And um, and and Tucker didn't call him on many of his lies. I mean, when when Putin came out and said, "Well, you know, here in Russia, we uh, we've never we've never." Uh, uh, fought against religion we we we're open to all different religions and so forth well come on that should have been a chorus from the choir say no that's not true mr putin that whole the communist revolution from that way forward until fairly recently people were tortured and executed for their religion for their religions and so forth but no tucker didn't question it just let it go by and a lot of people who don't know the history thought well gee i guess russia is not so bad after all and of course, Russia, it, it's not Russia, it's, it's the leaders of, like Putin, the people at the top that participated in that torture and mass murder and so forth. So anyway, I just thought that it was, unfortunately, it was a, a propaganda coup, uh, but not for our side, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I think you're absolutely bringing up a lot of really good topics here. And that's why we want you on here is to have open, absolute, real debate so that we don't get snookered. And, and the more we're informed, the more we're not naive, the bigger effect we're going to be able to have. Uh, now, let's boom, boom, boom. We're skipping the next break coming up. Let's go to questions for the great Jabber Griffin or statements. Are people disagree, agree? It's, it, we're totally unfiltered here, folks. You're on the air with Jabber Griffin. Go ahead. Tell us who's next, Chase. What an, uh... Go ahead, Jake. Awesome. Thank you. What an honor it is, Mr. Griffin. I was reading your book in prison and thinking to myself, my God, I wish I could talk to this man at some point. And God is good, man. God is good. So let me just first by start by saying thank you for all of your hard work. I read portions of the creature from Jekyll Island, and I kind of have a question or two that combines what both of these books are proposing. So what, but I'm going to kind of explain what it is that I got from it and then kind of direct it back at you as a question, uh, kind of like, am I on the right track and can you expand on this idea? So the monetary system is a false value system. It's a debt-based currency that is being controlled by less than 1% of the population. And it's basically like exploiting the natural world to create this like artificial world in which these less than one percenters that control the central banking system have full spectrum dominance and they profit off of everything from our lives. But at the same time, this system is also creating things like cancer in this parasitic relationship with humanity and with the environment, and thus they are making profit off of disease and stuff like that as well. 
So my question is then, how is it that like the Rockefellers and the other, you know, less than one percenter families are moving to control all of the socioeconomic and geopolitical systems? Is it because you know, from what I read in your book, World Without Cancer, it's things like the bureaucracy, the FDA, the NIH, the universities, the nonprofits, um, the foundations, and they're basically like the carrot on the stick and the government is like the sharp end of the stick basically using the government's monopoly on the initiation of force to reinforce these corporations' monopolies over our resources and our labor and our currency. And then also follow-up to that is if oil and water do not mix and most of our medications from the Rockefellers and the Big Pharma are oil or petroleum-based, then is it possible that these pharmaceutical drugs are creating problems for which they prescribe us more and more medications that keep us... Uh, okay, Jacob, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. I want to get a lot of people on. What is your specific... Are those your questions for G. Edward Griffin? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. So, like, what are... How are they using the 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 the, in, the incentivization, the de-incentivization to move us where they want us to go? And is the government and the, and the universities and these nonprofits also to blame? Is it getting Well, yeah, that's the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower set a technological lead in control in a unified research position. Thank you, Jacob uh, G. Edward. Well, I think that uh, to simplify and boil down that, that question into the two major components is this. Um, we tend to look at the various components of the, uh, of the uh, story. We look at, oh, here's what the government does, and this is what the banks do, and this is what the medical establishment does. We tend to overlook the fact that over the passage of time, all of these various components have been blended into one. They have different facades, and maybe they have a front door, a side door, and a back door, and there's a different uh, sign over each door, but what's on the inside of that building is all the same people, and they work together, and they're, uh, you can see them moving from one door to the next, or the the revolving door syndrome, as they like to call it. We have the, um, the head of the Federal Reserve, for example, which is supposedly a government institution. The people think it is, but it's not. But, you know, they come from the banking fraternity. And um, we've got the control of the FDA comes from people who are inside the pharmaceutical industry. And so these people really, they don't see themselves as being separate anymore. They're all part of the big happy family and they put on different hats depending on what door they go in and out. But they all have the same goals and the same idea that they're going to control mankind and milk the average bloke for whatever they can get out of him. And they want to keep him alive as long as possible, but they want him sick because as long as he's sick, he'll be paying most of what he earns for the medications to keep him functioning so he can continue to work and send his taxes and, his, and buy the products from the these guys inside the building with the many doors. Now that's my simplification of these two issues that you raised. No, up. no, no, it's an these excellent, not... excellent boil down. Mm -hmm. So that's about it. It's, it's simple when you look at it, but you have to realize that these are not separate entities anymore. It's a classic definition of fascism in which business and government are combined into one. All right, Greg Cardone, very, very popular account on X. I don't know if he's still there. He's been holding a while, but let's see if he, uh, he's there. Go ahead. I, I am here, Alex, and I just want to say, man, you're an inspiration to me, and I appreciate everything you're doing at InfoWars, and I'm there supporting you every day. Appreciate you 
showing this uh, how to stand up for freedom. Thank you. You're, you're talking to uh, G. Ever Griffin. Go ahead. You have a question or comment? No, man. I just love what you guys are doing. I I'm here to listen. And if I can add it, something of a contribution is to be courageous despite whatever the cost might be. Absolutely. God bless you, brother. We're certainly, G. Everett Griffin, let me ask this before we go to more questions. How crazy is it you've been doing this for over 60 years? And when you were talking about it, maybe 1% knew about it. I mean, it's mainstream now fighting the New World Order. It's like the main political opposition globally to the globalist. Do you disagree with that statement or not? I mean, we've really come a long way. Well, no, I don't disagree at all. In fact, I'm glad you brought it up because, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, our opponents could see that this was coming long before we thought about it. They knew that there would be a pushback, and they knew that there would have to be some way to deal with it. So naturally, they don't wait for it to happen and then figure out what to do with it. They probably, at least if I were in, at the boardroom with these top uh, conspirators, and they asked me what I thought we should do to finish the job in enslaving the world, I would say, well, we know there's going to be pushback. Let's provide the leaders for the pushback and make them do a good job, but make sure they don't win. That's all. So that's um, that's how I see it. So I think we should take encouragement from the fact that there is a, a great awakening, as we like to call it, because it's it's necessary that that happens. But at the same time, we should be very cautious and a little bit suspicious. I'm going to say I think we shouldn't be so gullible. We should be cautious and think, what would our opponents be doing right now? Would they just be waiting for that to happen? Or would they be taking advantage of it and providing our leaders for us? No, I totally to agree very, with that statement. Tough. But at the same time, there's so many hundreds of millions of people awake now that are becoming their own speakers. I don't think the globalists can stop this. Even if they killed the opposition or bought off the opposition, they'll just be more standing right in the place. I, I, I see exponential awakening happening. Well, I, I share that view too, Alex, and I, I don't want to be too pessimistic. I'm just trying, I like to call, call it cautious, um, but, um, well, just to give you an example. Now we're back to Mr. Musk, and I'm not picking on him because I, I hope he's exactly what we want him to be. But I remember when he came out and he, he brought up uh, Facebook and he said, well, I'm opposed to censorship. Correct. Yay. I, I, that's wonderful. That's great. How's this guy that, that's in <clears throat> in close with all of the all of the great political leaders and the corporate leaders and he's got money coming from grants from all these institutions that are on the other side how come he's going to go against all of this when all of his buddies and his his money flow and he's being bailed out by tax dollars and everything how does he go against that unless they allow it. I think that's a good question. He said, we're going to put an end to censorship. And I, now I remember this statement. He said, now, I will not allow censorship in the new system unless, of course, it's against the law. Well, that blew it right away. Well, what if, that sounded reasonable. Well, we don't want to go against the law, do we? Well, we might have to go against the law because they're passing laws right now to make censorship legal. And I'm not, so, and I'm not a Musk apologist, but then he said six months later... I may have to go to jail for free speech now because they're passing bad laws. It's easy to say that. That's what I would do if I were a, a false leader. I would say that. All right. So I'm just a little... No, no, I hear you. But oh, would oh. he go to Keep going. Would he go to jail? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. That's all. Now, that's all. I, I think we just have to ask questions and be a little cautious and um, look not only at what a person is doing today, 
But what did they do 10 years ago? I hear you. Five Powerfully years. said, Jim Griffin. We love you, brother. Who's up next? Okay. Phillip's had his hand raised for some time. Go ahead, Philip. Unmute yourself and say what you got to say. Thank you. Good morning or good afternoon, fellow conspiracy theorists. Yes. They're trying to erase us. It is the Great Awakening. They're trying to erase us. Elon Musk is on our team now. He's posting about the border on Twitter. They can't stop it. They're trying to delete our history and erase the human kind. They're trying to erase us. So what can you do? Stay healthy, print, and buy as many books as you can because they're trying to delete our history online. Be skeptical about AI and have as many children as possible, feasible. Don't say, oh, I can't afford it. Do it and then work, deal with the consequences. Work harder. Recreate. Don't let them delete us. Thank you, everybody. Uh, G. Ever, do you want to comment on those statements? Oh, <laughs> I guess I do. I'm I'm afraid to. I've gotten into a track here today. I'm going to lose a lot of friends. But this gentleman just says, said some very encouraging things. I liked everything. Uh, and but I was thinking skeptically. You know, he said as many children as possible because that's what we have to do. And I thought yes, so we can send them to the government schools and convert them into idiots. Having children is not the answer. It's training the children and educating the children with the right principles. It's not just having children. It's not just numbers in, in revolt. It's what are they thinking? This is a war for the mind, as you keep saying, Alex. And we're just talking about numbers instead of ideas. No, I got People it. Absolutely. All right. I think he says the left doesn't want us to have children. Your, your point is take it to the next level, educate them, inform them, make them ready for what they're facing. Who's up next here, uh, Chase Geyser? Let's hear from Frank L. Da Silva. Frank, go ahead and start speaking whenever you're ready. Hey, gentlemen, Alex, Chase, uh, Mr. Griffin. Mr. Griffin, you are extremely hot today. I, I know everybody in this space is loving you. Uh, Alex, thanks a lot for bringing these voices to, uh, to bear for our people. Um, I wanted to just segue earlier um, about your discussion with Brett Weinstein. Uh, Brett Weinstein is a qualified voice. But he's not Team Western. He is an outlier, and I would really uh, encourage you, Alex, to um, bring on Dr. Ricardo Duchesne or Dr. Uh, Kevin McDonald, Frank Salter, or Jared Taylor. We really do need to hear some of these, quote, OGs that have been around for a long time that don't have any um, access to grind other than the truth. So you are a trailblazer, Alex. I mean, this... This venue on X is superb, and uh, I appreciate it. But uh, once again, get us some of the more, uh, not mainline, but the old school uh, Team Western kind of spokesman that will add to Mr. Griffin. For instance, uh, Mr. Griffin, uh, I was hearing your name when I was a lad, along with uh, Eustace Mullins, John Stormer, uh, none dare call it treason. And, of course, Gary Allen, none dare call it conspiracy. So you guys have been following keynotes for at least two generations. And kudos to all of you. And once again, uh, Alex, uh, thanks a lot for bringing this to everybody's attention. You bet. I mean, look, uh, Brett Weinstein is a very interesting guy. He said we must save Western civilization. I did the interview Sunday. It airs tomorrow. We're adding a lot of clips to it. It doesn't mean every guest I have on 
I, I agree with everything they have to say. We have a lot of guests. I mean, I wish I was like Tucker's old show on Fox when he could get all the liberals on. I mean, I want to have debates. I want to have discussions. I, I want to talk about uh, all this stuff with those folks. Um, who would you say in the last hundred years, G. Edward Griffin, the most influential promoter of Western civilization and renaissance and freedom has been? Hmm. The most innovative and effective promotion in the last hundred years. Who's the wow. champion of liberty? Who's in, in your lifetime or even before that, who, who, who's been the best spokesman for freedom? It's G. Ever Griffin. <laughs> oh, I wish I could say that, <laughs> but I can't. Uh, I, hmm. I, give me some time. Uh, this might take me a little while. Can we come back to that? I have to think about Because there are a lot of people that come to mind, but most of them didn't have the traction. They, they didn't have the audience. I think of Dan Smoot, for example, is one of the people that most affected me at my very early age. Dan Smoot. Is exactly. It's FBI not agent. who's the biggest later. It's who triggers the biggest thing. Well, I'll put Dan Smoot out there then right now because that's at least because that was a profound impact on me. I read all of the Dan Smoot reports. I still have them bound in my library. He put something out every week, I think it was, and uh, it was an in-depth analysis of some very urgent issue. And he taught me how important it was to do your research. And get no, I hear you. What did you think of Alexander Schultz and Edson? Did he really help take down the Soviet Union? I think so, yes. But that was a lot of I don't want to say a lot of people, but there were many people who wrote good books on this topic. Uh, Solzhenitsyn's book, of course, became a world classic and uh, was read by so many people. Gulag Archipelago. Yeah, I think it, it was the exposure, the number of people that were influenced by it. So those two have to go together. The substance and the exposure, the quantity of the exposure together have to be uh, working together. Damn right. All right. Who's up next, uh, Chase? Let's go next to David Hill. David Hill's had his hand raised for, for quite some time. David, go ahead and unmute yourself and say what you have to say if you're still with us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, first, just want to say thank you, Alex. Appreciate you. Appreciate the opportunity to come up. And uh, I, I have become a fan through this app. Um, so I'm just going to you know say congrats to uh, Elon as well. I, I do believe that was Elon earlier on his burner phone. So He's not playing tricks on us. <laughs> well, listen, I, I have two questions, and they're both quick questions. One is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much the guy that for years kind of kept my head down, kind of kept pushing forward with my work, with my business, didn't pay a lot of attention to all the other stuff going on. And obviously, it's, it's hard to ignore, right, at, at this point. So if I'm trying to say this the right way. So if, if for instance, let's say you're you're like, you watch CNN news, not, not to not tell anybody to watch CNN, but if you watch CNN news and then you, you, you're listening to that perspective and you turn on Fox news, it's exact polar opposite. It's almost like, it's crazy how, how different it is. It's like the exact opposite. Like, and then you come on this app, you can go to one room and then the next room over is Palestine. The next room is Israel. It's of exact opposite, right? How do you even, how do we even know? Like, how does somebody like know what's truth anymore? What should we should be listening to? What, what should, should we be listening to your show, Alex? I mean, you know, it's, should we be listening to, to, to you know, Edward Griffin, the doctor? 
Like he's telling us, hey, check out this, uh, this thing that's going to help with cancer. I mean, how do we even know what's truth anymore and what's not truth? Well, you got to do basic research, and you got to check out the facts. I appreciate your comment. I mean, you really got a lot of the public that's not well-researched in anything, so they're just like lambs of slaughter. But everything G. Edward talked about 50, 60 years ago has come true. What I talked about 30 years ago has come true, so you got to go with who's credible, but also do your own research. G. Edward, that's a good way to close this out. What would you say to him in this ocean? You're saying question everything. But it also gets to a point where people believe nothing because they question so much. Well, I think your answer was very good, Alex. Uh, you've got to look at the long view. You can't just look what's in the news today or what somebody said or did in the last week or month or even year. Find out what they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you can. And if they don't have that track record and you can't see their trail that they left behind them, you better be very, very, very careful. So that's all. It's just be cautious. We're living in, in very dangerous times. And this is not the time to be uh, taking opium or hopium, as they call it, because we hope that we found a leader at last. we got to quit looking for leaders and become the leaders ourselves and our local communities, not depend on somebody else to tell us what to do, what to think and, and how, how to march. We have to build the movement from the ground up and take a long view of history, not just the news for today. Jabber Griffin, thank you so much. Please join us again, realityzone.com, realityzone.com. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Thank you, Alex. Good luck to you. Thank you. We're all in it together. Maria Z is coming up, but I'm going to take a few more comments real quick. She's got a senator on from Australia. They're trying to, they're announcing that the smart meters are going to control your house and turn your air conditioning and heat off. I mean, the technocracy is here. And so I'm just opposing the whole globalist program, trying to motivate and rally as many people uh, as I can. And I see the general public wanting freedom and more and more people coming over to our side. So that's what's very, very exciting. But what an amazing hour with G. Edward Griffin. Now, hour number four is straight ahead. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a war against the globalist, and people can't identify who's a patriot and who isn't. We want to identify as pro-human and anti-globalist. We want to let people know we're 1776 Part 2. That's why I designed this amazing 1776 red, white, and blue Gadsden flag shirt so you can support the info war and meet like-minded people everywhere when you wear it. When you wear these shirts, it creates an amazing amount of energy, and it's quite the adventure. So get your 1776 shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com and get your Team Humanity InfoWars limited edition shirt right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is antithetical, the complete opposite of what the globalists are pushing. So get both the Team Humanity and the 1776 Gadsden Snake shirts limited edition at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Spread the word, meet like-minded people, and fund the 1776 revolution worldwide. I'm not perfect, I'm under a lot of stress, but if I didn't have the supplements we have, we promote, I wouldn't be able to continue to be on air. And when you go to InfoWarsStore.com, you are funding the tip of the spear in the fight against the globalists in an operation that the enemy admits has been the most effective at exposing them. Because we're fearless and we don't back down. We got God on our side. But God needs to work through you. You've got to make the decision to get great products you already need at InfoWarsStore.com, and that is a 360 win. Nitric Boost, without me even knowing, became our number three bestseller. 
because people loved it so much. They had such great effects. Got all these natural compounds that clean out the blood, open up your arteries and veins and capillators, clean out your heart, your brain, everything. Well, we got an even better manufacturer. The other one was great, but one that's even better with even higher quality ingredients at a lower price. So I could never offer nitric boost because it costs us so much to make. And now we can offer it for 40% off. Infowarstore.com, nitric boost, finally back in stock. 40% off out of the gates.